So good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome along to the Global Leadership Podcast. I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley. And this is, a, um, I'll be honest, this is a first because, well, JB, do you want to explain? Well, yes. Yeah, so I'm in my house and Ant's in his and it's bloody brass monkeys where I am. I've just put the heating on. So for the very first time in all the recordings, we are actually doing this from uh, our home locations where ordinarily we'd love to sit and gaze across a table with each other. Um, this time we are we, we have a video connection so that we can kind of eyeball each other like we normally do for, for Bants. Um, but uh, on this occasion, um, it's a first. So uh, we would love your feedback as to whether this is an enhancement or or it's to its detriment. But but there we go. Um, anyway, I, I've, do you know what? It feels like a lifetime that I've since I last saw you, and it was a week ago, I think, wasn't it? It it uh, it was about a week ago. And um, it's like, are you hoovering it? Are you doing no, some hoovering? Because I'm at home, um, um, someone's just sent something to my home printer, which will probably be one of my children. <laughs> so inevitably, at some point during the recording, a child will walk in and get that said recording. But have a listen. There we go. Anyway, yeah, carry on. Uh, well, so, yes, maybe we ought to just do a quick few caveats before we get into the excitement of the last week. Uh, caveat, I've got two Border Terriers. They might kick off. You might hear dogs barking in the background. Uh, there's teenagers in the house. Anything could happen with that. Uh, I've got my wife. Anything could happen with that, with her. She's aware that the even... camera's on for you and I, right? No. Oh. So she could just walk in and well, anything. Yeah, it's possible. This is so. So from my side, I have a Labrador. Uh, I have three children at home today, and one wife, and a cat, and a sister-in-law hovering around the household today. So it is a busy house. Clearly, why my printer is going nuts. So that inevitably, like you described, JB, there could be some interference to our uh, quality of usual carpeted hotel rooms. So uh, the message, therefore, from both of us to our listeners is we can't imagine what could possibly go wrong. No, absolutely. Um, anyway, um, so uh, the last, what, what have you been up to for the last week then, Mr Bradley? Uh, well, it's been a completely self-indulgent uh, mess, frankly. Uh, it was my birthday week, and as I cruise now down to the big the big one, uh, which, is, which is going to happen... Exactly. Yes. It is. Well, you're, yeah. Well, we're, let's not give our name, our, our, <laughs> our birthdays up. Uh, that would be too embarrassing. But anyway, I'm cruising towards the big one. And <laughs> therefore, my birthdays get longer and longer and longer as I prepare myself for the big one. Um, so this this time, I think it's fair to say that I had three days of birthday celebrations uh, in London. And uh, I went to possibly every single pub that there is in London. <laughs> and all the restaurants and all the hotels and if anyone actually my my wife booked us into a place called chelsea cloisters oh very very plush have you have you heard of that no nope. well there's a there's a bit of a story about chelsea cloisters which i won't broadcast here uh, but it is quite rude and it's um set, i think it's either 10 floors of a a word that rhymes with floors and oh. yes, uh, and in the bottom of this place, there's a little speakeasy bar called Bart's. Right. Other other bars are available in London, obviously, mm. and it's the most extraordinary place. You you go through this sort of long, kind of fairly bland reception in the bottom of the the, 
this place and then you come up to this door and you you buzz on it and then someone's face appears in a little hole is it like that place and in they Bratislava? check you out do you remember that place um, in Bratislava we went to a couple of years ago where um, the, it, w- it was an unnamed bar and you had to ask around the street to find out where it was and then eventually a doorman would point you in the... Do you remember? We were with uh, James. Know, the, and... the, awful, the awful thing is I can't remember. No. Was actually, I actually there? Yes, you were. 100%. <laughs> yep. Here's, here's the thing, ladies and gents. Um, for the I, So, incidentally, I need to now quickly refer to um, listener comments corner. We don't have a sound effect for that yet. Um, but um, a couple of comments um, which I would like to share for you, with you for the first time. Number one oh. was um, a lady called Jo, um, who's listened to all of our podcasts. She has asked, um, has there been an episode yet where we've been stone cold sober? I think the hesitation may give you some. <laughs> um, I think, well, look, I can tell this you. This will be it. Yeah, this will be the one. It is. All I've had is a cup of tea. Yeah, I have a coffee in front of me, but it is it, it is not quite officially weekend territory yet. But uh, uh, Was go. that the only comment? No, no, no. So here's, an, here's the other one. And I've, I've promised I was going to give a shout out to a lady called Amber. Now, Amber is a VIP listener for me. Um, because she happens to be um, the PA to, or EA, should I say, to a chief executive of a company that I'm very close to. And she um, randomly messaged me when I was doing some rather intimate and stressful work with a day job. And she said, guess what I'm doing? And I was expected to get, I was expecting to get some sort of bollocking from her for not doing something. Um, and then she said, and I said, what, you, you know, I said, are you doing something with your daughter? And then she said, no, no. And I said, oh, are you tearing down posters about something like one of my team has done? She went, no, no, guess again. I said, I give up. She goes, I'm listening to your podcast. And I was like, <gasps> oh, no. no. I said, um, please be aware this is not related to work. So I have to be very careful. And she goes, well, no, it's very, she, she's a big fan. Um, and I promised I'd give her a shout out. Um, so Amber, um, I hope you're enjoying these exciting episodes and I'll make sure you get a comment in the, you'll get a tag in our comments because I try and be creative with the comments, don't I JB, with what we put in the, the Apple and various podcast provider stores. So there's a description and we'll get a mention there too, I think. I think it's one of the best things you do on this podcast. What, are you saying I'm so shit on speaking that I have to make up for it with some decent coffee? <laughs> it's really... So, um, thank you, Amber. And um, and to all Ambers out there, um, your Amber, if there are other Ambers, um, hello I, I welcome. Won't, I won't give you the, the, the full name because um, I don't want her getting... Because, you know, because we have such a big listener base, she might get stalked on social media. So, anyway... I wonder thank- how many Ambers we've got. I, well, let's let's put a call out. All Ambers, please send me or JB a message through the various different social media channels. Anyway, so today's episode, um, JB will talk to the theme shortly, but we do have only a handful of questions this week. I believe I've got two for you, um, JB, for us to go through at the end. Um, we do want listener um, questions, so please... If you have a question, what we would truly value is for you to submit them through either the Lead Learn Pod Twitter handle or find me or JB through LinkedIn or other social media and ping us a message. Or indeed, if you happen to bump into us, um, as many of you I know that do bump into us through our various uh, travels around the world, um, any of those ways, submit a question. Anything about leadership, we always have a good chin wag about those questions, have two absolute perlers today i have to say jb um but we'll save Excellent. those to the end anyway shall I, I'll, I'll be quiet because this week's theme um was um very much uh, jb's baby so i'll let you brief it in 
I d- I'm just conscious, Ant, that I didn't ask you about your week. Oh, and oh. I, I think we're saving saving the best till last, really. So I sold my house three weeks ago tomorrow with the very first viewing. Um, and uh, the people that found our house had been looking for months until they found our house. And imme- of course, they immediately fell in love with it because, of course, it's my house. Um Anyway, we were away that week. As you, as most of the listeners are aware, I travel extensively with work. And therefore, there has been some impatience from our buyers to say, well, we've obviously, you know, and, and I'm not going to name where I live in case now the buyers happen to be listening. But um, safe to say, they are frustrated that it's taken us three weeks to find nothing. <laughs> um, we did find a nice house. Um, and the um, rest of the street have sold um, for uh, less than what they've got it on for, and the condition of the property that we're interested in is nothing short of a shithole. Anyone that's seen Tom Hanks's Money Pit, a film from the 80s, probably best describes the the quality of the house. So um, we have been in negotiations with this rather, I believe, um, elderly person who has lived in the house for 40 years, who is quite stuck in their ways, fixed mindset i think we call it in leadership world um and we've eventually only an hour before this recording said right that's it we're done um so i've now had to call our estate agents tell him you know sorry to say this but we've not found anywhere yet so if our buyers end up pulling out so be it but you know they're not aiming to complete until february next year so we have time but the estate agent i have to say i'm going to shout him out a company called check for houses um a very low commission rate for those in the uk check for houses yes check for houses 0.5 commission that's it so he's a good local commission but he knows the area very well anyway um he's local to me but um he's now gonna he's asked me to list all the streets that we're interested in he's gonna go and do a door knock and mail shop so happy days i mean he gets a commission of course but i don't certainly want to be pounding the streets in this weather in england and it's five degrees and raining does he listen to the podcast um i might tell him to um now because he probably will because he knows he's earning a nice hefty fee from one viewing on our house so <laughs> well it's so it, it actually uh it, it fits in quite nicely well sort of if i just sort of jiggy it around a bit oh, into, into what around a bit well culture and strategy oh that's the theme not something uh, else i see yeah and i'm sober so, so well i thought it would be quite interesting just to do a little bit of ranting and a little bit of, uh, I don't know, reflection, interpretation, and I can't guarantee that there are going to be any practical takeaways from this week. I I don't know, but we'll have a go. We could try. So our our other listener is going to be upset that we're not keeping it dead practical. Oh, well. Hey, I mean, just so it's not all about Paul. And I don't know what, I don't want to upset our founding founding listener founding critic critic yeah that is true uh but um so i thought it'd be useful just to think about the the language of culture and the language of strategy in inside organizations because these are these are going to be some of my interpretations and reflections over the years that i'm just going to spout out Okay, so stand by. (laughs) And this is where Ant starts getting really anxious. Um, So, uh, you know, when people are managing strategy uh, in organisations, they can they can get quite excited about it, Uh, and you know they they will often 
think about it in terms of like kind of putting a putting a dishwasher together and all the things that you have to to put together to make it work um and then you know once you've got it working you then find that you've got some other things that you can do with it you can have a shorter spin cycle you can make it more economically friendly you can uh do it with lots of different types of uh detergents little boxes that come in little packets and liquids and um and then you've got to do lots of stuff with it so uh, i where am i going with the dishwasher (laughs) actually if if you think about uh a strategy people talk people talk about all the components all the parts that need to be put together to make it happen and then of course when it comes to culture they think that that is the same sort of thing. So, uh, and and this is a little bit of a, a dig, and, and a gentle dig at HR. And, but, well, I know. <laughs> this could be the end of my career now, or at this point. But, uh, I, you know, it's, it's what they quite often like to call the culture piece. Oh, one second, JV. Hello? Oh, on that bombshell. Yeah. Hi. Oh. Come and say hello to JB. Come here. Hello. hello. Come closer so we can see. How you. are you? Hello. Oh, he can't. You're so it. like your dad. You're like your dad with hair, and slightly smaller, and but you're you're much better looking. So you've got the looks. You've got the looks of your mum, and the. Is it? Is anyone else coming in? Yes, Why don't we get the whole family in? Get the whole family in. Yeah. And then uh, there's a hand Auntie. waving. Hey, podcast, hello. Yeah, yeah we've got Anne's family so? arriving at this very important august moment in. I can't hear you, November. now, because he's got my headphones. Ah, okay, right. So well, I'm just Sam, I'm Sam, just talking utter nonsense. Oh, Sam, it's lovely to see you. No, uh, you're, to JB. you're much much more handsome than your dad. Uh, much better looking. Oh, don't put your nose. Oh, he does that too. Oh, he's picking his nose. No, uh, this no. isn't good. Oh, no. please stop it. Oh, gosh. Oh, dear. Um, I know. You're, you're, you're now looking just like your dad when you do that. I'm eating um, my nose. Oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry. Apologies. Anyway, we've got a very important broadcast to do as you itch your nose. Did you know that this is a very important broadcast, Sam? No. Well, it is. This is, this is, this is the future. One day you will be doing this to an enormous audience probably 10,000 times bigger than than your dad's audience and that because he's we've only got about five people listening to this if we're lucky but now that you've turned up it's probably going to be boosted substantially anyway, uh, one your, <clears throat> iPads are out there okay have you had your tea yet yeah yeah what did you have marmite on toast no what did you what what did you have you can't remember. You only probably had it about five minutes ago. You're picking your nose again. Ooh. No, I think that's what you had for tea. It's probably up his nose. Anyway, <laughs> scoot. Listening to the recording time. Literally. Say bye-bye. Um, bye. Yeah. Lovely to see you. Right. Bye-bye. I- bye. Your iPads are out there. Bye-bye. Bye. They're not on charge. All right. Bye-bye. Can you shut the door, please? Well, can you shut that I think that was broadcast gold. The BBC will so want to employ us now for some very important 
sort of three o'clock in the morning slot on a Sunday. <laughs> Did you swear at him? I hope so. <laughs> no, no. I just said he was uh, very handsome, just like you. Oh, lovely. Anyway, where were we? Sorry. Um, so, um, I, I got I got into discussing dishwashers. Yes. And yes. Um, you know the the mechanics of of a dishwasher and how it works and so on, and then I was having a, a very gentle, very gentle dig uh, at HR, um, who, in my experience, and this isn't always the case, uh, sort of bolt on the culture piece as if it's like one of those little wheels that that you put on to pull out the the rack where all the plates and cups and things go in. It, it, it's like a it's never it's never taken as seriously uh as perhaps it should and which is more important the culture or the strategy or here is my fast last little bit of a question at this point are they the same thing um it is funny and I, so you're aiming the blame not squarely but you've mentioned hr being a key part of the the problem i actually think in many cases hr um, undervalue themselves in the role of a business and they allow the business to dictate um, a strategy and they aren't necessarily empowered effectively to create a culture to support it um and i know some companies that we've worked with don't have a hr function but actually they do have a great culture because the bit the business is empowered so maybe there is a disconnect of of true value of understanding when a HR function exists in a business, their role within it. But to answer your question, no, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think they're connected. I guess a culture um, is a psychological connection to um, a business, um, no different to a country culture, for example. Um, we've talked... Was this on a podcast or was it with an audience? I can't remember. Where um, a culture that exists in a business, sometimes we're asked when we go around the world, well, surely all this sort of stuff you're talking about has a different impact depending on the country because there is a culture within that country. And it's actually a perception by the individual of what they believe should be right and wrong within a country. But then what we've talked about is big organisations and where the culture starts as soon as you're walking through the through the door of the offices. Um, so I think a culture for me is, um, I, th I think an organization where people feel psychologically safe based on the the environment in which they're in. Um, and I think you're right, a strategy is a direction. It's a, it's a billboard of destination on the side of a bus. But the culture for me is um, the people that are on board the bus and what goes on on the journey. Um, you can't see that necessarily on the outside of the bus because it's a glazed thing. It's got a driver at the front um, and there are rows of seats inside it and there are some windows. But actually what's going on inside the bus is what makes the journey interesting rather than the destination being more strategic on the outside. The strategy perhaps is more visible. The, um, the culture is less visible to the outside but it's very visible to the passengers on the inside. God, that came out of my head. I'm not sure that made any sense. I thought I, I, you see, this is this is what I wanted, Ant, from this conversation. I wanted that sort of interpretive um, spin on it. Just to just, I think we're just having a go at mm. trying to work out uh, this relationship between strategy and culture. 
And, you know, if I think back to all the conversations I've had with senior execs over the years about the need for a need for the right strategy or a need for the right culture, I know so often I'm talking to strategists. I'm not talking to culturalists. And a culturalist, my new term, is somebody uh, who can who can be on that bus and notice what what's happening. They will notice uh, the context. They they will notice the relationships uh, between people. They will notice the relationship between the relationships. That little bit in between, and. I, you know, I think it's a it's very much a, um, the humanness of organisations. And that's where I find it's quite interesting when human resources is, uh, it, it looks, sounds, feels like a process, when actually, we need a human, a humanness kind of view, which is a culturalist view, rather than a strategist view, as well. It's both. It's both. Whereas I think there is a, a predominance of strategic thinking, which is all very well. But if you're not noticing, if you're not in tune with the culture that you are putting that strategy into, it could be like putting an oven part into the dishwasher. And turning it on. And turning it on. Oh no! And what could what you know? Could, there's a there's a that's a nice little metaphor stretched out of its little mind. I mean that is that that is. It, I think we'd all agree the plates and cups and bowls and everything would get nicely warmed and heated and melted. So a bit of a a bit of a disaster. So so what is what is it? This this whole um, you know culture thing and which comes first the, it's, it's, the strategy or the culture uh, i see I, I think a lot of businesses today they they compete on competence and knowledge and then this creativity and i think the creativity if there isn't a good culture is suffocated because um i think if there is a good culture employees feel psychologically safe um and therefore help the business have more ambition and more drive they become they become um uh, they they challenge constructively as opposed to just follow the, the 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 wisdom of a senior executive and we've talked about this in our ifw episode um i think the right culture allows to, or instructs employees that it's okay to make ex- mistakes and try stuff those things for me play into the narrative of a, of a culture versus a strategy and, and, and I think the reason, as you say, Paul will be disappointed in us this week is because <laughs> this is psychological, a culture. A strategy is much more touchable. Um, you can you can see a, a structure, uh, sorry, a strategy in a, in a document. You, you can't see a structure. Sorry, you can't see a culture, but you can feel it. Or am I wrong? Uh, I think you can feel it. I think it's. A, I think it is. It is. It is the the humanness of organisations. Can I put you on the spot, Ant? I'm going to. Um, so, yeah. speak to me like you do sometimes in French. 
Um, bonjour, ça va bien ici. Oh. Un, deux, trois, quatre. Oh my goodness! It, you, when you, it's when you add the numbers. I just does so much for me. Ooh, la, la. Can you? Right. Okay. So now, so can you speak some Spanish? Uh, si. Uh, muy bien. Lovely. Beautiful. Um, gracias. Fabulous. And now speak to me in Polish. <laughs> Any Polish listeners listening, I must take this opportunity to apologise and admit I know very little apart from when I'm in the country and forget it. Okay. So Romanian. I know you can do Romanian. Multomesk. There you go. Uh, and, and Buna just... dominatza. There you go. And now just as a finale, mm. speak to me in German. Ah, das ist sehr gut. Mein Deutsch ist nicht gut, it's scheiße. There you go. So now that that is that is a, a, a strategist coming into an organization speaking all of that when the organization's culture is it's a Russian thing. Oh goodness. And so so there is a there is a, a, a kind of method in that madness of asking you to do that because it this whole cultural thing is like dealing with a language and ignore it at your peril ignore it at your peril and how many organizations um do the rational lovely lovely ration, rational planning methods to uh, to to build strategic change for their organization and they manage that strategic change through Uh, wonderful, clear spreadsheets and rational, rational plans and process, but then they don't tune into the cognitive, cultural, political context that makes that fit, work, connect, happen, and often they're doing it within two, three years. So here's here's a a, a comment from me, which we've talked about before. And I think where we come up against major disconnect between strategy and culture, there may be strategic alignment in a merger of companies. So the businesses make that happen, but they fail to bring their people with them, which is why so many mergers and acquisitions don't end always happily. In fact, more often than not, I'm led to believe research tells you they fail, certainly on the people side. And you and I have spoken a number of times about um, as part of any integration or change, you got to bring your people with you. But here's a question to you then, JB, as you put me on the spot, although mine is more of a, of a, of a question without a language answer required. Um, how is it then that cultures tend to be much better that we've noticed in smaller organisations than larger? Or not? Discuss. Well, so when you've got a smaller organisation... And it, those ones that I think you're thinking of have a very clear leadership and they work very hard at making sure that their culture uh, is evolved in such a way that the organization uh, is very clear. It understands its signposts. Uh, the direction of travel, it understands the language that we were just playing around with. They all speak the same language. Their expectations of what the culture can do, uh, its values, uh, its uh, humanness uh, is very clear. You know, people are fired uh, with enthusiasm if they don't get it. 
and they don't do it and people are so fired is. with enthusiasm because they do get it you know they're excited uh and they're, they're involved with it and that is that is a very manageable thing and the organizations that i think you know that i that i've worked with where it is tight uh and and luke what are you doing in the background i've noticed you going up and down on your chair now i've got my i've got one of these electric uh, high adjustable desks and i'm just trying to position myself more comfortably so i can oh, see I thought your it was face. the chair going up and down it's actually you no, your no. desk going up and down. you'll hear it actually one second ant is now leaving the building there you go. <laughs> you're welcome. Don't get this uh, when you're on tour, do you? No, no. This is this is um, this is a very very special experience. Now, but I think you 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 raise a very important point, which is, and I think we've covered it a little bit with that kind of entrepreneurial conversation we had the other day, where you know, small is actually beautiful, and you know, when you can uh, have people in an organisation um, believing. Uh, that they have a voice, that they are known, uh, that they are focused and they are valued. Small is beautiful in those reasons, for those reasons rather. But when organisations get really, really big, they forget about the relationships and they forget about the relationships between relationships and the that matter, that area uh, between those relationships. What the hell is going on? You can't always see it. You can't measure it. And that, that drives people to distraction, that you can't actually easily measure a culture. You can ma measure a strategy, but you can't measure a culture. So agree as or I, disagree? Well, well I, I, I agree. Um, it is not necessarily a KPI measure, but there surely must be a number of things that you can see as a cumulative effect, create engagement and connection to the strategy. And I guess my question for discussion is, how do you test it? How, if you and I were to walk into a new organisation, or if I'm a listener to listening to this podcast, how do I now go into my workplace next week after listening to this podcast and uh, testing um, the existence of a culture? Because you can feel it, but how do you test the feeling? Well, I'm going to start my answer uh, with a little bit of a statement and that that is and I'm going to throw this out there that strategy is a phase of the cultural evolution of a business say that again strategy oh wish you hadn't asked me that St strategy <laughs> is a phase phase of the cultural evolution of a business it is merely a phase so or a set of phases so are you suggesting when a culture is so strong a strategy is no longer needed possibly so if we think of some monster brands and we've mentioned the likes of apple before um arguably they have a fiercely cool brand in the eyes of their customers certainly their loyal customers um, i think you're either a an android or an apple person these days and you probably oppose the other um their culture arguably they trade upon you could say um i want to work there because it's cool 
Is it cool because they're seen by, on the outside of the bus, they're seen as a very innovative organization or not? But then, like any organization, I am assuming, and I have to be careful because I don't want to libel anyone here, um, <laughs> you walk into some of their stores and maybe there is a culture that exists in their store of arrogance towards employees because you are merely a commodity because our brand is so amazing and you want to work here because you think the culture is cool because our people surely must be as innovative as our products. And I, I'm thinking out loud here because you walk into some organizations where I can and I can talk firsthand about working in an organization and I'm sure I won't get shot for saying this even in my own organization where I work right now where you walk into some offices and the culture is there. It is nailed. People, in, they look forward to walking into the office and you then go to another office where uh, people even challenge you for smiling in public because why, why would you want to be happy in this place? Almost just in a destructive mode for the, for the company. And that, that is too, you know, there's these microcultures that possibly exist too. What do you say to that? So you, oh, this is this is like a game of tennis, which I'm really enjoying. I hope the listeners are, <laughs> and not not um, not a practical air in the uh, in the in the in the room. I know, I, but I do you know, and I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there because um, I I I did try to say at the very beginning of this that this is a kind a bit a bit of a, a sort of hopefully a refinement of a debate that we're attempting to have here. Yep. Uh, and a, a sort of an, an interpretive approach. So we're, we're trying to make sense of this. And I, I think people who have this going on in their organisation, I hope, will, will you know, want to either scream and shout at their headphones uh, or speaker at this point, or they're going, actually, do you know what? That is like what's happening here. And I think you mentioned there you know th that that thing that you get when you go into uh apple uh or that thing that you get when you go into body shop or you know harrods or you know whatever you go into mm. um you, there is there is a a thing but you know if you, if you go back to a time when you went into an apple shop for the first time an apple store i'm sure they prefer me to say uh you, you know what what is different about it now uh, than then there are some subtle changes uh, in the way that they approach you and the way they talk to you their kit is different you know they they are all they've got those ipad things and they're they're you know doing everything through it um, and they've got those little headpieces on you know they are absolutely connected are up you with thinking each other. of britney spears at concerts you you know that i can't talk about britney without getting into an except my chair doesn't go up or down or my desk but um sure? i will <laughs> i will leave it actually my chair does go up and down but it's manual um yours is yours is probably electronic and goes around the house where you collect all your children and put them into bed or something no i nicked this from the office when they closed it they said come it's a free-for-all uh, so i went down one sunday my son thought i was robbing the place yeah. Well, you know my check is you be gave mine. me your old. I, I you get me. I get all your hand me downs. When I inherited a nice executive chair from the London office. Yes. Anyway, where so, were we? Well, so so the point the point uh, that I'm talking about here is is the phasing of a strategy and the phasing of a culture. Culture uh, is here, here's a thought is is culture a process. 
you know, if you think about uh, cultural change and organizations changing, learning, it's rather like uh, that quote that I often um, use, and it is, uh, you know, the enlightened of the 21st century will not be those who can read, who can unlearn, relearn and learn. I think it's sort of along those lines. Mm. Uh, an organization is no different. And I think that's at the heart of culture, which is, uh, you know, it's an evolutionary process. Culture, cultural cultural change in an organization, it's evolutionary, it's not, rev- well, it might be revolutionary. Um, and, but where's the strategy within that? So you can, you can, you can come up with your ideas about what you need to do, and and I'll use the example of an inclu- inclusively led organisation that does give a shit about all its stakeholders, uh, its shareholders, its employees, uh, its customers, uh, its regulators, its community uh, that it that it works within, possibly serves. You know, there are a whole load of of stakeholders uh, that need to be satisfied for for a sustainable organization to to work and therefore the strategy fits uh within each of those component parts so then then you you have a look at that strategy with those stakeholders however many you have and where you want to take their experience with the business over a period of three to five years if you can forecast that far with change being what it is and then you go right now, what what do we do uh, with this? Is our culture uh, fit for purpose for what we are aiming to do for the experience of all our stakeholders? You know, possibly it is, possibly it isn't. And what is that culture when you can't you can't easily measure it? You can't easily go right culture. You know, that's that wheel. Is that wheel and that wheel, and it all kind of snaps in, fits in, and then we bolt in the strategy. And off we go. So it, it it's interesting. So I was trying to read up a couple of uh, um, uh, thought pieces in readiness for this podcast, um, and it is it is very difficult to kind of get. I was looking for examples of where businesses had failed as a result of poor culture, or had major problems, and I did find three examples. And one of which was the Volkswagen emission scandal, which most listeners Oof. will have well documented yeah. in the press. Yeah. And there was, in speech marks, a culture there of win at all costs. And there was also a fear culture where people were unwilling to speak out about failures. And arguably, um, if VW were firing or shaming underperformers and succeeding at all costs, there was too much worry about speaking out or calling things out before they got into the public domain that then caused them significant problems. This is documented evidence elsewhere. This is not me uh, libeling anyone. Um, there was a there was a really um, a really prolific example which I think will resonate with most people that listen to this podcast. Challenger and Columbia, uh, nineteen eighty six space shuttle space shuttle um, yeah. disaster, yeah. exploded soon after launch, killed all on board. Um, this occurred despite warnings of NASA's engineers who identified flaws in the Challenger's O-rings, which is what basically did, but no one listened to him. And then when someone did, it was too late, and here we go. Um, so I think there there is a, a, a where these examples were given, where was there was a culture of fear which actually suffocated or stifled the decision-making of the business. And I think that's where 
without culture, strategy is prone to fail in a much more spectacular way. Um, I didn't read up on it fully, but I was also in the middle before we started reading up about Nokia, because or Nokia, depending on where you are in the world, how it's pronounced. You know, they used to dominate um, the mm. mobile phone industry before Apple, and we, we talk about Apple just a moment ago. And let's be honest, um, 15 years ago, um, there were probably more Nokia for phones in the world than there are iPhones in the world now, I assume, you know, if we considered active devices at any one time. Um, but I was um, reading up about the fact that they were aware of Apple um, and Samsung's advances on smartphones, but the firm's culture of arrogance completely led their engineers and managers to pretend that everything was fine. Um, and because they said nothing and didn't challenge it, they had a 75% collapse in their stock. Um, and so much so that I think I think Microsoft bought them in 2013 from what I remember reading. Um, final example from me, um, there was a company that had a great culture that I used to work at, um, a directory, printed directory company. I'm sure most, most of you have heard of Yellow Pages brands and uh, telephone directories. And I think there was a wonderful human culture there. But equally, there was a complete arrogance, I think, in many of the printed advertising uh, uh, industries that they thought that they were unstoppable. And I think um, by um, surrounding themselves in a culture of we're OK, thanks, um, eventually the, the innovative companies, the creative companies that were more fearless and had a culture of a mixture of win at all costs, but not win at all costs, but let's let's grow sustainably or had some some innovation and some value surrounding it have gone and you know they've eaten the the the, the competition's picnic and in in Nokia's case um Samsung in many newspapers and printed publications around the world um directory companies Google um Facebook all these brands have, have completely swallowed up and, and if you think more real for you and I JB there has been some great cultures that we've worked in in the radio and broadcasting industry but but they are struggling with digital innovation um, and I think maybe there is some bits of the culture that despite being wonderful for the people, the business is still doomed to fail unless their culture changes. That's me screwed wow. having any consultancy work with a broadcasting wow. company in the future. Well, so that's that's fantastic, really, because what that that tells us um, as we as we move out of uh, ignorance into knowledge with any luck. <laughs> Um, well, I think our ignorance is growing with our knowledge. And I tell you why is because we're asking all of these questions during this podcast. And when we thought at the beginning of this podcast that we probably had a reasonable amount of knowledge because we've gone into it, we're probably feeling even more ignorant at this point, which, which for me is not a bad thing. So uh, let's try let's let's ha should we have an attempt at being practical mm. with this because i mean it but it is out there i mean it, it is quite hard uh to get practical but let's let's try and do it so uh a culture uh can be a force for good but what you've just described brilliantly is it can be a force for not so good yeah so I'm not going to say bad, but maybe maybe it is. I, I, I you know, I, I was thinking Enron, uh, but you know, uh, that that was a rotten culture, 
And I'd imagine all the things that you were talking about then in, you know, being able to give feedback upwards and, and actually challenge decisions that were being made and, and things like that, it, it wasn't happening. So culture uh, is a very, very important part uh, of a decision-making process to enable uh, a strategic phase of an organization's life to either come to life or fail. HR have an opportunity to facilitate uh, and harness a very human uh, approach to building, sustaining, creating culture, cultures that work. And every piece of strategy, every phase of strategy needs to be tested against the organization's culture. So if we then try our damnedest to look at what that really is, and I'm going to attempt it, and if there are uh, thousands of HR people listening, I'm not going to give my address at any point. Well, but um, but I'm actually, do you know what I am? I do love HR people. I'm very fond of them. Um, and I, I do think that they have a, an enormous role to play in all of this. But I think there's a facilitation job to be done to test strategy, business strategy out against culture. Culture being made up of relationships, conversations, the importance of, of all the forms of conversations, the free <clears throat> excuse me, the frequency, the quality and impact of those conversations that happen throughout the organization, upwards, sideways, downwards, diagonally, all of those conversations would fit into uh, these kinds of categories, including values. I'm calling you out because respect is one of our values. I'm calling you out uh, because uh, we need to be honest about what's going on here. This is not okay. And whether that sideways, upwards, downwards, more enlightened organizations are capable uh, of, of making, making those conversations count and happen. Uh, purpose, the purpose of an organization. We're going to make this happen even if anyone actually dies as a result. Those, you know, th that, that's a kind of interesting purpose. So we're going to put a man on the moon. Um, back in 1961 was the, was the uh, Kennedy mission uh, to put a man on the moon. But had he said, and it doesn't matter if we don't get him back alive, <laughs> that, that wouldn't have been so good. And therefore, the, the culture of NASA at the time, I think, might have been a very different one. So conversations, values, purpose. Uh, we talk a lot about the principles of know me, focus me, value me. Uh, I think that can that can go inside that whole area uh, of cultural evolution and cultural uh, evolutionary process. Put it that way, because I, I think we all we all have a process of the way that we understand things, uh, the way that we bring meaning to things inside us. Organisations are made up of human beings it's similar you know how do we process this stuff you know this is ancient ancient stuff that happens uh within humans and and we we take that into organizations as well and i think there's something telling about what you said earlier about the vw example and um 
you know, NASA and so on. And, and that's feedback. I think I might have briefly mentioned it a minute ago and just how important being able to give feedback downwards, sideways and upwards. Uh, these are these are these are the ingredients inside a culture. There are probably many other things that we don't have time to talk about, but that there's my attempt at trying to make this as practical as I can. So I guess um, linked to your values, um, I would add a point of words you've used, I think, on multiple previous episodes, which is... Oh, dear. Am I repetitive? No. No, no, no. You've not mentioned it today, which is why I'm surprised you <laughs> oh, haven't. Okay. Uh, um, which is building trust. Um, yeah. I think, you know, you have to trust. Good point. And yeah. you have to make sure that you demonstrate as a leader of the organisation that you trust other people's thinking, their their well-being. Um, and I also think that you you need to demonstrate your ability to listen um because to jb's point if you are not listening or you're not allowing people to challenge things that are not right um you're not listening and i think that should be constantly stress tested so for me building trust and listening are two additional words that would sit around all those values um and for me um i think in a fast paced uh, evolving world that many of us work in now and hugely agile workforces hugely fast chase, paced change technological advances we have to embrace being more fearless um, and I think that will really help you um, as a cultural filter by listening trusting and being more fearless to to help your strategy be achieved but I think having um, a values system in place that people can challenge at all levels is critical um, I've done a few workshops and JB will know because he's been involved in some of them where we get people to build a contract with each other about how they're going to behave and and how actually regardless of who you are you can challenge me if I'm not linking to one of these behaviors and you build it as a group of managers and if you don't adhere to it expect to be told and actually you're going <coughs> to excuse me you're going to buddy up with someone who will ch who will review the contract that you've all agreed so i will do this i will do that i will never do this i will never do that um you know and that may include the word of listening it may be about challenging constructively um but all of that if that's happening at a leadership level will surely cascade down the business but i don't i, I one of the things i admire about my company that i work for right now is that the door is generally open in most cases um and they may not like what they hear but they are willing to listen but at the same time I also respect leaders around the world, and some of you may be listening, that say, well, come with solutions as well as problems. Don't just come and tell me all the problems. And I think that's another thing is that, you know, some people that might be less engaged with their business just want to be there to disrupt it for everybody else. And those are the people in your business that you might want to consider as a leader that might not be a good influence in your culture. There can be people and JB, this is using another one of JB's terms that he likes to use, which is drains and radiators. To create a good culture, you don't want to have too many drains in your in your business or your team. You want as many radiators as you can, the ones that radiate energy, positivity, uh, and the values, um, and the ability to listen, the ability to build trust and work with trust and trust everybody else in their peer group, hand up and down. And also, I, I do think fearlessness. In the modern world, that's for me... A big thing that's coming out loud and clear um, for me as a leader personally right now if I don't embrace being more fearless um, we could lose we could we've got a great culture in my team for example 
But if we don't embrace some scary stuff, we may lose anyway. Whew. Well, I've got some questions um, to, to, to not necessarily to be answered, but as guides, really. Um, and it's purely from from this this kind of um, little foray into this area that I think we've done. I, th I think this deserves an awful lot more uh, time in the future. And I, w w the, one of the questions that I w would like to, to offer, uh, particularly to senior leaders, CEOs, is who, who are the culturalists in your organisation, not just the strategists? And if you've listened to the podcast, you, you'll know what we're talking about, I think, in terms of who, what is a culturalist rather than a strategist. Uh, if, we had, if we had that represented more fully on boards, uh, I, I, think that, I think that could be quite useful. What is a culturalist um, and who are the culturalists in your organisation? And my second question, and I, I think this is to CEOs and senior teams, um, how do you harness the humanness in your organization? And, you know, the human the humanness uh, is the thing that, that actually creates the culture. The humans and the humanness is what, what, what we have here. And so my message to HR is to facilitate that conversation about you know the, the how do we harness the human humanness of our organization to deliver the strategy because i think the humanness is the cultural thing that is often described as the cultural piece it is it is you know how do we harness the humanness uh and how do how do we create culturalists uh at a senior level and and then through the whole business uh to 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 more fully understand how to fit the strategy into the culture and, and actually to evolve the culture uh, so that it is capable uh, of being ready for, for growth and change. So to add to that, um, that very detailed piece, um, I, I like the idea of, of seeking out those, those people. And I wonder for those listening, if you have done any form of talent scoping, um, in your businesses use those talent scoping identify those high potential people but perhaps look at those high potential people that you've listed and think about whether they are high potential due to their performance and their contribution to the business or their contribution towards the people um, and that might sound a little bit almost political really but I, I don't mean that in the truest mm. sense of the word because we know that elections have, have sometimes been um, won and lost, not necessarily on the performance, but actually on the people. Are you photographing me? <laughs> I am. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I anyway. miss you, Ant. Oh, thanks. Um, well, you've got me FaceTiming with you at the minute. It's lovely. Um, but at the, so, so once you've... But then if you identify those people that are high performers and also make a massive impact to the people agenda, um, think about those people becoming your, your culture champions, um, you know, who, who, and, and who are respected around the business to challenge things but here's here's a thing for you which frustrates me in many cases is is there a consequence mechanism in place for poor engagement of a culture if it exists because your culture will quickly fall apart if it exists if you bring in people or retain people 
that are unaccountable for their behaviors in the business. Um, I've spoke to a number of people um, in my career and there are people in the business that seem to get away with murder in terms of behaviors who really cause disruption in a workplace, but they're tolerated because of their technical capabilities. So if you have a cultural champion for your office or your country or your business, um, I would say make sure there's a good ratio of these types of people to your headcount. But also please consider as part of your performance management, whatever that looks like, and I know we've done a podcast on that already, but make sure that there is a behavior or cultural integration piece to it. Because you could have, you know, if, if you're purely KPI led on your performance objectives um, and not cultural engagement and demonstration of purpose and values and other bits and pieces, there is a risk that your culture will become unstuck. That would be my my extra extra little dose of wisdom. I have. Love it. Thank Love you. it. Should we, should we move on to some questions to wrap up our, our session? I think I think we should. We only have two questions this week. So for the listeners' benefit, um, please do send us your questions. We are not out on the road now together for a while. I'm um, uh, fortunately, I say fortunately, I've had some, some changes to my agenda for the remainder of this year. Um, but I am going to Jersey in a couple of weeks. Um, but we'll try and do these podcasts like this, I think, for the next few weeks. So that relies on our wonderful listeners sending in questions. Now, the, surely the number of downloads we get, either people th- are too scared to reach out to us and say, can we uh, can we send an idea to you, please, or a question, because they're worried about being named. You can be anonymous. This week, they're both named. The first one, quite an interesting one, JB. Yes. From Adam in the US. How do I self-test my leadership competence? <sighs> Well, can you um, hold on a second, Ant? Mm. Oh, he's, he's getting up. No, I, when I, I, there's a, there's a marvellous, marvellous book, and I don't know whether it's still in print. Oh, and, so, sorry, I'm just pirouetting around my we uh, library. We can hear it. I'm um, lucky, I, I'm the one that's in the room uh, with the, all the recording equipment, so my sound quality sounds slightly better than jb's but you we got a good dose of creaking chairs and and stuff you you've got a lot of creaking going on at your this chair. At your end this chair. yeah um there is a great book which i want to um st- he might he or she might know adam. is it a he adam I, if it's I'm, a female yeah, then or could be gender neutral in well the... you've got to you've got to be, be a bit prepared for all sorts of things these yeah. days um so I love this book, and it is called Leadership Challenge, The Leadership Challenge, and it is uh, a Business Week bestseller. It's pretty old, but it's still bloody good. Let me see if it's on Amazon. Um, yeah, and, and it's by Kousis and Posner, and that's K-O-U-Z-E-S and Posner. What's it called? Leadership what? It's, it's called the Leadership Challenge, and it's got a number of different um, things that you, you need to focus on. Uh, not enough time to go into any great detail here, um, but it's, it, is, it is a challenge, and it's actually got its own 
little test. And that's what kind of intrigued me about uh, the, the question. Um, so, for, for example, uh, it's got many things uh, that leaders do um, and, and what people around them expect. Um, the five practices of exemplary leadership. Um, and there's, there's a number of things that you need to kind of um, focus on uh, within it that I think might be quite useful. So uh, Kusis and Posner, the leadership challenge, it's a lovely, it's a lovely, it's big, but it's pretty straightforward to, uh, to, to read. I've uh, so, found a quick summary on it, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, so leadership is not a generic trait. Anyone can learn to be a leader. Almost everything taught about leadership in evening. Um, I take it that's your end. Um, yeah. Which teenager? Yeah, that's uh, Sebastian, the younger one, back from college. Nice. Leadership requires specific skills and commitments. It's possible to learn these behaviours and attitudes and become effective. Successful leaders challenge the status quo. The ability to communicate a compelling vision is critical leadership abilities. Leadership uh, Leaders become more powerful by granting power to their subordinates. A leader must set an example for the organisation. It's a leader's job to encourage the heart of the organisation. And finally, leadership is for the many and not the few. Oh, my word. I've heard that one in the UK recently. Um, so I guess if you could test yourself even against those headlines there, that would be an interesting start, Adam. That would be my um, the best recommendation I can give you, Adam, really, in a, in a, in a nutshell, because it's a, it's a bloody big question. And I guess to give my take on the question, um, if you want, if you are clearly the fact that you're conscious of your leadership credentials or your competence um, would suggest you're already conscious about other people's reputation or other people's perception of your reputation, which is a good sign. Um, so that in itself should deserve some celebration. Um, but see how brave you are with this suggestion. Um, actually become comfortable with uh, with two-way conversations with your people um you know how are we getting on how you know how am i focusing you um you know how am i valuing you how am i driving you what can we do differently um what do i need you to do what do you need to do ask questions of your people that that question some of these things how am i with the vision right now um you know how can you help me help you those sorts of things i think will give a sense to you um, of 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 people's perception because ultimately it's a bit like the 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 culture's topic for today's thing it's a it's a feeling um as a leader more so than a manager because managers um have much more kpis this is much more uh cultural linked i would argue anything to add jb or should we move on to our final question? well i just just an, another final one a point there for adam if you combined with the 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 leadership challenge uh, is this idea of trust, and you know, uh, do, does your team trust your integrity, your intent, and your competence? If you're if you're doing well in their opinion, not yours, in their opinion, and this is where I think Ant's right. You know, just just get the feedback uh, on how how your team trusts your integrity. Uh, your integrity to do what's right for the business and and them, its people. Uh, your intent uh, to do what's right for the people, and your competence to do what's right for the business. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how are you doing, Adam? Uh, on those three areas, then read the book. Nice. Final question. Um, anonymous, um, Netherlands. 
let's let's keep it like that because I know where they're from. Um, uh. So therefore, they'll know it's their question. Well, I'm about to read it. I'm a manager. I have a team. Um, another manager has just retired, and I've inherited their two teams. One team hate me. One team love me. The other, my existing team are nervous. Help. <laughs> Great. So, it, so the, the, there's, there's, is that? Let me understand that. Are the three teams in total? So my existing team are nervous, and then there's a team that hates this person, and a team that love this person. I think you're right. I'll read it again. So, um, um, I'm a manager of a team. Um, another manager is retiring. Um, two teams are rolling to me. One team hate me. One team love me. My team are nervous. Help. Well, resist the temptation to put them all together <laughs> in one go. Done that, <laughs> been there, approach, yeah. failed. <coughs> um, because if there's if there's shit flying around uh, with the team that isn't quite sure about the benefit of your leadership yet, uh, then try not to uh, mix it up. Uh, because it sounds like you've got three different levels here. Uh, you've got one one team that is um, fearful about uh, the consequences of this person leaving and you becoming the manager. You've got another team that's probably quite excited and knows you more than the other lot. Uh, and then you've got the relationship that you have with your existing team. When these things happen, whatever you expect to happen uh, never happens. So you don't, don't feel certain that your existing team is going to say all steady uh, and fine with this. Uh, if if you feel that that's all safe, it probably won't be in a situation where you've got the challenge uh, of overcoming the fears of another team. So it's almost like you know, there, it it fits in quite quite nicely with this this podcast today uh, about different cultures. I don't know whether we're all in the same office or or not. I wish we had some more context. Um, because if they're if they're not, there might be different levels of understanding and uh, awareness. And so, you know, initially, the main thing is uh, with with all three teams is to establish trust. Always, that's the that's the first priority above above all things is to uh, actually have the conversation with them, uh, a big conversation about trust. And the team that you say, I think you use the language of hate. Uh, I, I think, you know, whether whether that's flippant or not, I don't know. But yeah, maybe. Um, you know, it's it's really it's really important that they they tell you what 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 trust looks like for them in a leader. How does how does how does that you know fit with with their expectations? How can you how can you meet that? What can you do? What can't you do in a space of time? Uh, it, it sounds to me with that context that it's probably pretty urgent uh, that you build trust pretty damn quickly. Mm. And uh, that's that's the first thing, the, the conversation about trust with each of the three teams. Don't neglect your own existing team, whatever you do, uh, because they'll think that you're just going off and having brilliant conversations and investing in all of these other people. It is an equal distribution uh, of your effectiveness. Uh, think about, you know, what you need from them, you know, because you you want a high trust team. 
from each of these three areas. Ultimately, you're looking for a high trust team made up of all of these. And then when you've got that language going, um, maybe the opportunity might exist to start um, pulling pulling some of these people together and actually started, starting to build the, the relationships um, with this new idea of what a high-performance, high-trust team looks like um, and get them to work together uh, on and, and maybe maybe kind of uh, measure each other a little bit um, on, on how they're all doing. But that would always be my 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 starting point. What does a high performance team look like? And and pretty pretty early on, you'll find that the conversation starts moving towards trust. Without that, you cannot do anything. So a um, lot said there. Um, how do I complement? I, I as JB is answering, I'm thinking about all these different scenarios that a non um, could be in. Um, are they inheriting teams with managers in place? Are you losing? Are you now in, in inheriting uh, many direct reports, and therefore is the anxiety from your existing team about the fact that they may be neglected? Is the reason that one team hates you and one team loves you is because their existing team leads um, that they may have underneath the manager that's just retired treat those people so differently and they're looking at you who seems to be having a great time and they're envious of that is it that your teams as jb's alluded to have completely different cultures you have um micro cultures within a company culture or maybe the company doesn't have a culture so the legacy manager has a very different culture to yours what i find really interesting is that that one manager has a team that you're inheriting that one of them loves you and one of them hates you so in terms of advice i agree definitely with jb um, do not merge until they all love you. Um, so, uh, and, and I don't mean this in in in, in too uh, uh, literal sense, but divide and conquer um, with the team that loves you. Um, great, but as you say, don't neglect the existing team because this other team love you. Otherwise, your anxious team may become haters too. With the hated team. Uh, I, I agree with JB. Let's hope that it's an exaggeration uh, or a play on words. Um, I, I I think actually it's really important that you you divide and conquer within the haters. Um, you know, and, and what makes it so. So one to ones are important. Um, if you have managers between you and those, win the managers over first, and then but but, but through trust, encourage skip meetings, um, which is something that we've talked about. I think not on these podcasts, but certainly when we've been touring the world before JB encourage um people that report into the people that report into you to have meetings with you um you know what do they like what don't they like if they were in charge of the business what would they do differently um come with solutions not problems or come with problems and that's fine i'll listen to them but come with ideas too and how to fix it um become a great coach with those with those people listen um but of course don't empower their behavior um uh, if there is a cultural problem within the team you're inheriting so divide and conquer um integrate slowly only once they're all loving you but also make the existing team feel part of that experience i'm curious to know whether the the merger where the power lies because sometimes if you're all a merger of equals that rarely is true there may be a, a merger of all these teams into one because it makes sense strategically but actually one of the teams may be the dominant force in terms of KPIs potentially and one of them may be bigger in size um, you know if it, tr it truly is a merger of those teams be really careful um, love 
um, and make known focus and value those team leads if you are inheriting managers too. Um, and actually, that is totally scalable. If you're inheriting some direct reports, the, the same rules, to my mind, still apply. I just thought of something, a little bit of advice I was given once in a in a similar situation. And uh, it was it was a funny, funny turn of phrase, but it, I really liked it and it really got me thinking. And I hope this might be useful for you in the context of everything that Ant has just said and hopefully what I said earlier. You're saying it made no sense. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> au, au, au contraire. Oh. Uh, that the... Um, when you, when you go and um, speak to these new uh, teams, um, don't disappoint them by not challenging them. And you know that was a, that was a thing that was kind of I I what well, don't disappoint them by not challenging them. You know if you so people whether it's an interview whether it's a new job or you know a new team don't disappoint them uh, by not by not challenging them challenge them. And and they will then they they will have to work uh, with that challenge. Find find the appropriate challenge for them, uh, with the benefits and consequences that go with it. Be very explicit about that challenge. Set it. Uh, don't disappoint them by not providing the challenge. So you know maybe they've gone through a really hard time, uh, and and they're feeling a bit bitter and twisted and angry and fed up with everything. Do not disappoint them by not giving them a challenge because of the hard time they've had. It was a piece of advice that I was given years and years ago, and it was really beneficial to me at the time, and it made me do it, and I'm glad I did. One of my first boss's pieces of advice was don't piss people off on your way up because you don't know who you're going to need on the way back down. And there could be people in this team you're inheriting of haters that might be your your boss of the future. You never know. So uh, there you go. There's uh, my, my final words on the right. topic. That's I, well. I hope that's useful to this person in the Netherlands. Yes. Good um, morning. Uh, if you're listening in the morning, that's my only Dutch. You asked me for some language earlier, so there you go. Isn't it Bless you. You've just spat on the microphone, dirty boy. Um, if you've got a question, we love your questions. Clearly, um, in fact. We've had lots of feedback that the questions quite often are your nice bit because they're short little snippets of insight. So please keep those coming in. Send them via our social media channels or look us up. Or if you happen to bump into us in the street um, and you know us, then clearly that's easy. But if you don't, then come up and ask us a question or say, you know, I've got a question for you. And we will then probably say to you, I'll answer it now, but want to stick it on the podcast. Can be anonymous. We do like the named questions. So please do so. Also, before we wrap up, um, if you like this podcast, please leave us a review. Um, it helps other people find us if we have lots of five star ratings. If you don't like us, I'm wondering why you're still listening an hour in um, or an hour and 10 minutes in probably. Um, but if you don't like us or you think we can need to improve, send us feedback so we can do so. We've had some lovely constructive criticism. Um, so please do continue with that. But if you do can give us a five star rating, if you do like what you're listening to, because it really helps other people tune in. Um, and discover the delights, just like Amber did um, uh, when I was um, she was messaging me yesterday. What are you up to for the next few days, JB? Well, I think I'm going to be recovering from my birthday. Yes. Uh, did you, did you mention to... it's your birthday? I might have done. Maybe. Uh, I need to. I do need to seriously recover uh, from uh, the excesses of the last few days in London. Uh, I think my wife has different ideas about going out tonight. 
uh, watching a few bands. Um, and I, you know, I just fancy having a little quiet night in with a little sherry by the fire and a nice. little mince pie or something. I'm getting quite into the kind of festive idea now, actually. I saw some, <laughs> some mince pies the other day in Fortnum and Mason's, would you believe it? Oh, JB, so how close. This is no wonder Rylan, our feedback, was saying that posh consultant, Fortnum and Mason's for a mince pie. Um, nice. Well, uh, so my brother, bless him, uh, gave me... Uh, so for the first time in years, I opened up a birthday card and 20 quid dropped out. And it took me right back to when I was a kid, when you know, occasionally you get a little bit of um, money in a in a envelope or something. Anyway, uh, so I wanted to go and get something, so I went and bought some really nice socks in Fortnum and Masons up the top floor, and um, really good, really good place to go and get little presents actually for under twenty quid. That's you know a bit posh nice. and uh, anyway so i so i got the socks took a picture and said hey jimbo uh i've got i've used your money for this so occasionally nice. and when i wear my suit and my tie i will be wearing those posh socks i only, only seen you wear a suit once but yeah okay that that i look forward to seeing those socks at some point actually it's, it's usually for funerals <laughs> <laughs> so i've got the whole kit i've got the whole kit now for Thanks, my funeral jimbo. outfit uh, i should point out for our international community mince pies are a festive um uh, that so some people i know in the u.s get confused when you say mince pies because they presume it's a minced beef um, it's it's not it's a it's a more fruity mix of raisins and uh, and other bits and pieces, and and also uh, for those of you who are interested in Cockney rhyming slang, uh, if your eyes are looking a bit tired, it's your mince pies looking a bit tired this evening. And oh, thanks, they they are. It's been one of those weeks this week. Um, so you're in recovery. Lucky you. I'm in I'm I'm in recovery. Uh, and what are you going to be doing? The one that wasn't on the podcast earlier, the older of my three boys, I have four, but three boys, because um, I have a daughter as well. The older one tomorrow morning has a football match in Petersfield. He was man of the match last week, so he's kind of riding on the cloud oh. of that at the minute. So we're doing that. And then I suspect uh, my wife has walked in twice during this recording to point out new properties she wants us to go and view tomorrow. So that will probably dictate the majority of a very cold weekend in the UK with a high of five degrees, I believe, tomorrow. Yippee skippy. Oh, lordy, lordy. I shall be staying in by the fire. Enjoy your sherry, JB. Thank you very much. You have a lovely weekend. I hope you find the home of your dreams. Well, I'll report back on our next recording. Uh, I've been Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley. And if you've got this far in the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for giving us a damn good listening to. 